1: Thanks, June. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has a new lease on life. A federal appeals court here in Washington will reconsider a ruling that slashed the agency's powers and made it much easier for the president to fire its aggressive director, Richard Cordray. The earlier ruling came from a three-judge panel of Republican appointees on a court known as the D.C. Circuit. The case, which involves kickback allegations against a mortgage lender, will now be taken up by the full D.C. Circuit with its majority of Democratic appointees. It's all happening against the backdrop of a congressional battle over the CFPB and the Dodd-Frank law that created it. Republicans want to ease the burdens they say the law has placed on the financial industry. With us to talk about the legal fight over the C- CFPB are Dalia Jimenez, a professor at the University of Connecticut School of Law, and Christopher Peterson professor at the University of Utah College of Law. Dahlia, uh, let, let me start with you. The earlier ruling had several aspects to it, but let's let's cut to the part of it that deals with the president's power to fire the director of the CSPB. Can you just explain what the panel uh, said about that issue?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, the panel decided that um, it, it didn't Uh, the the separate from the sort of um, statutory problems um, that the uh, PHH company was bringing against um, the CFPB, they would decide, they would look at whether or not the structure of the CFPB is actually constitutional, um, and which uh, maybe it was something they didn't actually have to do. And in doing that, they decided that it was unconstitutional, that um, there was only one director, and that it could only be, uh, that that director could be fired um, only for cause. Um, And so they decided that, uh, that instead um, uh, the, the, the way to fix it was to say, to basically rewrite the statute and say that the director can be fired for any reason at the will of the president. Um, and so uh, obviously making it a lot easier for now President Trump uh, to fire the director. But now that decision has been uh, vacated, now that the full court has decided to hear uh, the, the, the case again.
0: And Christopher, what is the reasoning for the full court taking on the case?
3: Well, I think the full court is is recognizing that the case, first off, is very important; uh, that it has significant implications both for this new uh, consumer protection agency, uh, but also for the power of the presidency of the United States. Uh, and what's more, I think that the it's, I think it's fair to say that the the D.C. Circuit panel opinion was um, uh, somewhat uncharitable to the motives and the structure of the CFPB. So I think that you know, look, the takeaway is that the, the the entire uh, DC Circuit is going to look at the case, and uh, it, it has implications about whether or not uh, President Trump will maybe able to as effectively assert his agenda uh, in, in in you know pursuing deregulatory goals for the economy.
1: Dalia, um, okay. as you mentioned, there's also a statutory component to the, this case, which is basically PHH arguing that the the CFPB had changed what had been the common understanding of, of a law involving real estate settlements, and then. Uh, improperly applied it retroactively. When the D.C. Circuit yesterday said we want to reconsider this case, it sort of suggested that maybe we can avoid getting to those constitutional questions and just deal with that statutory issue. Does that seem like a realistic possibility to you?
2: Um, I think that's right. Actually, um, I think it was surprising that the panel had asked for briefing on the constitutionality question, um, and it's uh, the case can totally be decided. Uh, and in fact, the panel really did decide it uh, in the alternative on the statutory question, and
0: PHH
2: basically won um, on the statutory question. So I think it is very likely um, that the that the full court will decide, um, you know, will make the decision on those narrow grounds. Also, not just. For the reasons that Professor Peterson just pointed out, but also because um, the their decision, the panel decision, had actually thrown into question um, the constitutionality of the structure of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, which was actually created before the CFPB, um, and that you know uh, you know not a party to the case or anything, so uh, that may be another reason why they might want to go narrower in
1: this So, case. so, so, just so I'm, I understand you. You're suggesting that what could happen would be that PHH could win on that narrower question, and then the Court would never have to deal with the question of whether the whole structure of the, the CFPB is unconstitutional.
3: That's
2: right. I mean, they could win or lose. You know, they could decide it the same way or a different way. But um, but the the case could be entirely decided on the question of this on the statutory questions. I think
0: Christopher, the twelve judge panel that will be hearing it will include Chief Judge Merrick Garland, whose Supreme Court nomination Republicans refused to consider. Does the panel lean Democratic or Republican or center?
3: Well, so first off, with respect to uh, uh, Judge Garland, he, he's a consummate professional, and I, I have absolute confidence that he'll do nothing other than follow the law and his best ambitions about, you know, realizing what the how the laws of the United States should be interpreted. Uh, that being said, the, 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 the pre judge panel that decided the decision below leaned fairly far to the right, or that's the way that people would normally conceptualize it. But the D.C. Circuit itself, the broader uh, uh, court, uh, now and recently, its balance of power has shifted somewhat to the left with some recent Obama appointees. But I also want to caution that you know a lot of the questions that are here are not really very easily sort of tracked out on a you know a traditional left-right Democrat Republican spectrum. Some of the questions at issue are questions of constitutional power and separation of powers that are not just regulation good or regulation bad. So I, I do think that it's a little bit difficult to predict how the D.C. Circuit would rule on the, the independent regulatory agency question. Uh, uh, you, you know, That being said, I think that Professor Jimenez is exactly right, that the fact that the D.C. Circuit has granted Embank re- Review may be signaling that uh, some of the judges or perhaps a majority of the judges may prefer to resolve the, the, the questions in the case on statutory, statutory grounds rather than confronting the more difficult, uh, uh, broader-reaching constitutional questions.
0: And I just want to correct, I understand now that the Chief Judge Merrick Garland is not going to be participating in this case. Greg?
1: Dahlia, um, one thing that has puzzled me a little bit, uh, it seems like there was, Richard Cordray, the director, has been very controversial. Republicans have have been highly critical of him for being too aggressive. And it seems like until until this uh, uh, order to rehear the case came out, there was a little window where Donald Trump could have fired him uh, for any reason at all. Are you surprised that the president didn't take advantage of that?
2: Well, I'm not sure there was such a window actually, because the case when um, the CFPB sought en banc review, uh, the the decision was stayed while the court decided whether or not the full court decided whether or not to grant en banc review. So I think um, the the sort of correct legal uh, thing to do there was just to wait until the court decided whether or not to grant en banc, and if they had denied it, um, then uh, depending exactly on what that order looked like, then perhaps. You know, if the CFPB didn't immediately file for a cert, a cert petition to the Supreme Court, uh, there might have been a, a small window. I mean, I, I think the right thing is really to, you know, let the courts make this decision, um, uh, at least to, to get a chance at it. Um, so I, um, I'm glad that that I think that, uh, you know, that it, that was not circumvented.
0: Christopher, the Republicans have many options outside of court to use against the CFPB. So they could have legislation, they're considering that would change the leadership from a single director to a five-person commission. Uh, What are some of the other things that they could do, and, and how likely is it that they would?
3: Well, I think that um, I mean the big, the biggest uh, uh, option that they have is clearly to pass new legislation to reform the Dodd Frank Act and the portion of the Dodd Frank Act and the Consumer Financial Protection Act that created the CFPB, and that's that's something that is uh, a viable legislative strategy. Uh, they, they they do face the, the prospect of potential filibuster in the Senate. Recall that uh, you know one of the the, the, the sort of uh, uh, founding uh, uh, thought leaders for the creation of the CFPB was then Professor Warren, now Senator Warren. Uh, presumably, if there's anything that rolls back on the CFPB's powers too aggressively, you can anticipate that she would attempt a filibuster. And, and unless the, the, the Senate is willing to change its rules, whatever changes that the uh, Republicans in Congress want to get to the agency would have to surmount that 60-vote barrier. So you know, who knows how that's going to shape out? Other, But there are, with respect not just the structure of the agency, but particular matters that the agency may be working on, such as regulations that are pending or enforcement actions that rely on particular statutory provisions, there are also potential options that the Republicans have there as well. So, for example, there's a, a, a regulatory review statute that allows Congress to invalidate regulations that are adopted by the agency uh, with uh, uh, by voting to do so in Congress. And that that could potentially create another independent obstacle to some of the agenda that Director Cordray has laid out.
1: Christopher has inadvertently teased a later portion of the show. We're going to actually talk about the Congressional Review Act, a very important uh, uh, law that uh, I confess I didn't know anything about until uh, <laughs> until a, a few weeks ago. Um, Dahlia, could, uh, w- back to the, the legal fight. Um, mm-hmm. The h- How does this play out in terms of the CFPB and the Trump administration? As I understand it, the CFPB has independent litigating authority so that both so at the yeah. en banc dc circuit and perhaps elsewhere um could we see the cfpb up against the trump administration
2: huh that's that's an interesting question i don't actually think that they have i mean i think they still have to go through the department of justice to uh they, they have to do that to the president might, might actually know more but i i think that's right that they would not be able to uh uh, I mean that would be very odd. You <laughs> I mean, you stumped me. I
1: Christopher jump in if you if you yeah. have have thoughts on it.
3: Sure. No, it's it's perfectly understandable that this, there's some ambiguity here, and it's you know the agency is still a young agency, so it's still working some of these things out as they go along. So, uh, but the, the, the agency does have independent litigation authority, and unlike say uh, some of the other uh, uh, agencies, does not have to rely on the Department of Justice's attorneys to, to bring bring litigation enforcement litigation in, in court. That's one of the sort of key features of the Dodd Frank Act. But that being said, generally speaking, the bureau has relied on the Solicitor General's office in uh, Supreme Court matters, uh, and that could create a potential issue in the event that a petition for certiorari was granted by the Supreme Court. But that's a bridge that hasn't been crossed yet, and, and there's a good chance that, that that won't actually happen now that the D.C. Circuit may be signaling that it's going to sort of, you know, extinguish this case. Of course, don't want to predict that uh, with any real certainty. They don't hand out crystal balls with tenure at my university, but... Um, <laughs> At least for the time being, that issue is not before the courts.
0: Dahlia, tell us how important and what the role of the CFPB is. Um, well,
2: and actually, I think this is one of the sort of positives of this decision, you know, coming back, uh, being in the news again is the CFPB, uh, you know, it's really the one agency who's there protecting consumers. Um, and uh, one of the reasons why uh, it would be very difficult for uh, President Trump to fire Director Cordray for cause is because it's been doing a, you know, stand up job of protecting consumers. Almost tw- $12 billion um, have been returned to consumers, uh, 30 million. Um, consumers have received relief. Um, you know, companies have who've been violating the law um, in all sorts of different uh, financial um, areas um, have been ordered to you know change their practices, to correct them, to uh, to rest, uh, to give restitution to consumers. Um, and I think uh, that that's something that we need. You know, and then the reason it was created was because we thought um, this uh, might have prevented the financial crisis. Um, perhaps uh, the hope is that it will prevent a next financial crisis and. Um, Uh, That's something that, you know, I think we should all want.
1: (laughs) I I, I want to thank our guest, Dalia Jimenez of the University of Connecticut School of Law and Christopher Peterson of the University of Utah College of Law talking about uh, new developments in the legal fight over the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we'll talk to former Senate Democratic uh, Majority
0: Leader George Mitchell. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th.